PTJ podcasts are made possible by the American Physical Therapy Association. This podcast is sponsored by OPTP. OPTP is a leading provider of physical therapy, fitness, and wellness products developed by renowned experts. Over the past 30 years, OPTP has built a worldwide reputation for quality and customer service. To find out more, go to OPTP.com or call 1-800-367-7393. Can we incentivize our providers to keep people healthy versus keeping their facilities full? We didn't know that of President Obama in 2008. You have to see it go through the legislative process and then assess. It's not only integration across the healthcare continuum, it's also integration of physical therapists as a member of a team. Welcome to a special PTJ discussion podcast, the 2012 election. On November 6th, the United States holds presidential and congressional elections. How does healthcare fit into the choices facing voters? What is likely to happen after the election? And how does it affect the physical therapy profession? PTJ Editor-in-Chief Dr. Rebecca Crake leads a discussion of the issues and candidates with APTA Vice President of Government and Payment Advocacy Dr. Justin Moore and APTA Board of Directors member Roger Herr. And now, Rebecca Crake. Hello, I'm Rebecca Crake, Editor-in-Chief of the Physical Therapy Journal, and I am delighted to be here with two spectacular people. The first person that I would like to introduce is Justin Moore, who is Vice President for Government and Payment Advocacy of the American Physical Therapy Association. Hello, and thanks for inviting me to participate in this podcast. And the other is Roger Herr, who is a member of the APTA Board of Directors and also the Chief Home Health Executive of Sutter Care at Home. Thank you, Beck, for the invitation to join you today. The first time that the journal did something about the election was in 2008, and it was a really enjoyable experience. We hope that the members were informed about the issues at that time. The purpose of our podcast is to talk about health care as an issue in the 2012 election. As you know, both candidates have been intimately involved with systematic health care reform at state and federal levels. Healthcare is the number two issue in the electorate's mind. Number one issue is economy and jobs. What's interesting is since almost 20% of the economy is associated with healthcare, we can also tie healthcare in with that first issue, economy and jobs. The goal of our podcast today is not only to share this information through the journal venue, but also through the American Physical Therapy Association's goal to assist its members to be informed and engaged in the policies of healthcare. We hope that this podcast is one resource to assist you as you go to the ballot box in November. And now the disclaimer. The American Physical Therapy Association does not endorse or take a position on presidential candidates, but seeks to empower its members to be active participants in the process. So, with that introduction, I think we can now move on to the meat of our podcast. So, I'm going to ask Justin what the major issues are in this election related to health care and how the two candidates are similar or different in their policy approaches. Thanks. As Dr. Craig mentioned, health care continues, as we saw in 2008, to be one of the major issues in the election. 
Inside healthcare, there are three issues that are emerging as the major focus. First, what will happen to the Affordable Care Act? Obviously, President Obama had made this his signature legislative achievement of his first term, so his position is well known to establish and to strengthen the full implementation of the Affordable Care Act. Governor Romney has taken a position that he will look to immediately begin to try to reform, repeal, or replace the Affordable Care Act. So healthcare reform continues to be that top issue inside of healthcare. Two other issues that voters should be aware of is there's also a lot of debate on what to do with the entitlement programs, both Medicare and Medicaid, and then how will we handle the federal deficit? And that relates to health care, as many of our health care programs, including the National Institutes of Health, are funded through the federal government. So if they look at the deficit reduction policies, what impact is that going to have on those key federal agencies, like the National Institutes of Health, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, and other entities like ARC, HRSA, and the myriad federal agencies that fund many of the important programs to physical therapy. So since the Affordable Care Act is so hotly debated, what are the scenarios for the fate of this act following the election in 2012? You know, as we're seeing in the commercials, healthcare reform continues to be debated, and a lot of that will be rhetoric. The potential for healthcare reform to be outright repealed or significantly changed is limited following the election. The fact that healthcare reform will probably not change much after the election is that it would take an enormous swing election for either one of the parties to get to 60 in the U.S. Senate to make significant change. There are really kind of four scenarios that would outline what could happen on healthcare reform. And it really goes into who will win the White House and then who will control the U.S. Senate. The first is if Democrats retain the control of the Senate and President Obama is awarded a second term, there will really be no change to healthcare reform, and it will be implemented as quickly as it possibly can by the administration. If Governor Romney is elected and the Democrats retain the control of the Senate, unfortunately, we'll see a stalemate and a continued debate between the White House and the legislative branch, but actually any legislation would be difficult. The other scenario is if Obama's elected and the Senate does change hands to the Republican, you could see minor changes in the law. One of the changes that could be first is whether they will repeal the Independent Payment Advisory Board, which is a board created by the health care reform law to look at recommending payment cuts and benefit changes to the Medicare program. And then the last scenario is if Governor Romney was elected and the Republicans gained the Senate. And if that happens, then that's where you see the most potential for significant changes to the health care reform bill. The polls right now show that to be a fairly unlikely proposition, and we probably get a scenario following election where maybe minor changes are made to the law, but significant changes would be difficult. So, Roger, you have been involved in health care reform as a member of APTA's Public Policy and Advocacy Committee and certainly as a clinical leader. Will you describe what the issues mean to the physical therapist or rehabilitation professional? Thank you. Yes, uh, everyone is looking at healthcare and quality integration and innovation are three areas getting a lot of attention. From a practitioner standpoint, I think quality is broken down into three areas. One is processes that we use in care, whether that's a standardized falls assessment or looking at the outcomes of patient care. Do they maintain their lifestyle in the community or avoid rehospitalization? As we know, hospital penalties went into effect on October 1st. 
And another domain is in the area of patient experience or satisfaction, and that's actually the newest evolving part of public reporting. Another example is following patients through the continuum of care, such as if a patient's having surgery, maybe getting some preoperative care with one practitioner while they go to another setting for the care and then follow up with that practitioner afterwards. And all those areas are used in quality reporting for healthcare and getting the attention of both payers, patients, and other groups. And that's what's beginning in looking at integration. The area of integration is about breaking down the silos, whether that is between practitioners or whether that is between settings. The integration is finding opportunities to get around the roadblocks that often cause delays in care and being more successful in care. In the third area of innovation, I look to the patient or what we use in my work is person-centered care and really focusing on health literacy and other ways to communicate with the person in the way that's meaningful to them to engage them. And we really focus a lot on our health literacy, both in our language and instruction, and trying to avoid the term of non-compliance, but how do we get the patient to adhere by using appropriate language and other tools to engage them to stick with the lifestyle changes that will enable them to be functional going forward. So, Roger, what are the top one or two things that every clinician can do to align with the themes? I think first and foremost is while we agree with the concept of evidence-based practice, it's really utilizing standardized and validated tools in our practice for assessing patients and then using the interventions that work for that client. And we need to continuously adopt whatever the most current information is out there And while using standardized validated assessment tools often involve data sets that may be driven by the setting, it is using the evidence-based practice to make sure that we find the right interventions for that patient. And then on a larger scale besides that patient, understanding how our patients are different from others or our outcomes are different from others by using these validated tools. And then to begin to understand variations in practice so then we can identify, are we providing the right care or are we the right practitioner for this patient? Should they be in another setting or with another type of intervention? And the second thing that we're hearing throughout this entire election process is that payment is limited either way. No matter what happens, payment is going to be apportioned differently going forward, and the volume of patients with the Affordable Care Act is projected to grow. So how we... Roger, I I think one of the points you made is about how payment's going to change regardless of who's elected. Right. One of the things that both of the candidates really understand is we have to improve the quality of care. So regardless of who's elected, they're going to have to move forward on quality initiatives and really have to move forward on addressing the growth that's happened in healthcare over the last several decades. So even though it might be popular on the campaign trail to say they're not going to change Medicare or the other guy is going to cut Medicare, in reality, both of those have to happen. We have to change how we deliver care, and how we pay for the care that's delivered. And both candidates will have to do that to sustain the solvency of both Medicare and Medicaid over time. What they disagree about is how you do that. And so they both definitely agree that we're going to have to address this growth line in healthcare or bend that cost curve, and each of them have different proposals for how you will go about achieving those. Yeah, and what that does is tie into, no matter, as Justin said, whoever is elected, the need to demonstrate our quality, we need to work better with other providers and integration, and develop the new models of care with the resources we have now. Many providers are waiting for additional funding to support that initiative, and we need to generate that from the ways we work now. 
Yeah, I think it's a great point. I think how we deliver care is going to change moving forward and, you know, regardless of the impact of the election. And so use of standardized patient assessment tools, anything that's going to demonstrate our value, anything that's going to improve quality, and anything that's going to integrate us or take us out of the fragmented care delivery is going to be consistent with regardless of who's in office. And I think that that's the point for me that's really important, and that's the concept of integration. It's not only integration across the healthcare continuum, it's also integration of physical therapists as a member of a team in order to promote the best quality of care. So I hope that that happens regardless of which candidate gets elected. So, Roger, what do you think the top opportunity and challenge is for physical therapy following the election? I think our top opportunity is to collaborate with other providers and when we are working with referral sources or discharging a client is to really help with that transition of care and communicate that the patient is going to the next step, whether it's following up with another practitioner or with their physician or other community-based resource or the next setting of care and not just assume that transition went well, but to be able to follow up on that. And that's what some of the work with the National Quality Forum and other groups are doing is to look at two-way communication, not just one that you made a referral or you made a recommendation, but that information was received by the next provider to ensure follow-through and not getting lost in the process. And for me, one of the exciting things that should assist that is the electronic medical record. Do you two agree or disagree? I do agree, and that is our biggest challenge now, the electronic record. We each are comfortable in our own, but not always willing to go learn another system to communicate, and that's one of the things that we do in our integrated health system in my day job is trying to work across different settings and to communicate with other care providers that this patient sees throughout their lifetime. And I would agree with that. I think the initiatives to have providers embrace health information technology is one thing both candidates agree on. Both have a strong record of trying to facilitate incorporating data and health information technology to try to improve care. I also think Roger made a great point that the opportunity for physical therapists is to help in those care transitions. And so a physical therapist can show the role in the healthcare team to help minimize the gaps in care. And the last opportunity that I would highlight is the focus on comparative effectiveness research. I think that is really an area where physical therapists can show their role in the healthcare system. And by being a high-quality, low-cost provider, we could be utilized better in the healthcare system to improve the health outcomes of individuals at a lower cost. Thank you. While the election of 2012 is going to have an impact on healthcare and physical therapy, of course, there are issues that are very important right now with the current Congress. So, Justin, what are the issues from Election Day to the end of the year? I think that's a great point. Although most of the conversation on the campaign trail has really focused on the long-term healthcare issues, what's going to happen with the healthcare reform law, what's going to happen with Medicare and Medicaid, we're dealing with a pretty intense time of immediate policies from Election Day to the end of the year. And the two big ones that impact healthcare providers and physical therapists are, first, what is going to happen with the deficit reduction sequester that is set to go into place on January 2nd if Congress doesn't act or overturn that requirement. And what that sequester would do is it would reduce federal spending, and that has a real impact on healthcare providers and 
the real impact for people who bill the Medicare program, they would see a 2% reduction in payments on January 2nd, but that's only the start of it. What we'd also see is a reduction in federal funding to the NIH, ARC, and CDC. And for example, we would see about $2.5 billion in cuts at the NIH alone, representing almost 8% of their spending. The second issue is another series of Medicare cuts that happened to Part B or outpatient providers. And without congressional action from Election Day to January 1, providers that bill the Medicare Part B program will experience an almost 30% reduction in payment. And then patients who get therapy services will see the return of a solid or hard therapy cap on January 1. So from November 6 to December 31st, the work in Congress, regardless of who occupies the White House in 2013, will be intense. And that lame duck session of Congress is setting up to be one of the more intense in history. Whoa. So it's interesting that it's called lame duck. It sounds like chaos. Um, Do either of you have an opinion about the candidates differing on the approaches to addressing these issues that you've both discussed? You know, regardless of the candidates, I think we're in an era of having to make major changes to how healthcare is delivered. President Obama has, through the passage of the Affordable Care Act, laid out a plan that we're starting to figure out which parts of that plan are good and which parts of those plans challenge physical therapists. What we don't know is if Governor Romney and his vice president candidate, Paul Ryan, are elected what their vision for healthcare means. And we didn't know that of President Obama in 2008. You have to see it go through the legislative process and then assess. But the Romney-Ryan plan looks at premium support, which really changes how Medicaid is going to be fundamentally delivered and how Medicare is delivered as well. Because that is conceptual in its nature, we don't know what the real impact will be on the patients we serve or physical therapists. So it's a little difficult to assess right now with that level of change, what exactly would be the impact on physical therapy. Roger, is there anything you would like to add? I I think while the future is not known, I think that we are seeing changes in the incentives in healthcare. And while we start to see some of the penalties for rehospitalization and some other areas, the shift is, can we incentivize our providers to keep people healthy versus keeping their facilities full. And that's a huge 180-degree change. And while I have some optimism on that, it's going to require all of us to think and provide care very differently. No matter how we get there, I think everyone agrees we need to do something different, and all of us need to be a part of that. I think it's a great point, Roger. Healthcare has been delivered in such an individualized, one-on-one basis at the physician level, at the physical therapist level, and what we know we have to do different in the next decade is manage at the population level and keep people healthier, intervene sooner, and that is going to be the major philosophical approach that we have to do regardless of who's elected. We have to hit that triple aim of providing more cost-effective care when the patient needs it by that right provider, and that will be the next decade in healthcare. And I'm so excited that we're going to be part of it. I think the discussion can sound very gloomy and very frightening. What's very interesting to me as an educator is physical therapist students have no history in the healthcare system. So they're coming in with energy, with the love of our profession and what we provide, and they don't have to undo what we may know. 
So I see that as a really positive contribution. And for those of us who are in the system, we have to embrace change. We have to help do this in a very positive way because it's clear that it's going to happen. And how can we participate in it happening so that it's a good outcome for the patient as well as our profession? So I'm going to ask Justin and Roger if there's a final point you would like to make before we conclude this podcast. My final point would be to just encourage every physical therapist, every healthcare provider to get informed on the issues and go to the ballot box on November 6th. We need to continue the debate on healthcare because having the debate really will drive toward those improvements of how we can better serve the people we treat, the people that we are aiming to make more healthy and more functioning in their life. And so if there's anything that people can do is get the information and go to the ballot box with an informed decision on how they're going to address healthcare. Thank you. Roger? Yeah, I absolutely agree on going to the ballot box, but also going back into your practice and challenging some of the assumptions you do because you do it that way and saying, are there more efficient or whether it's time or ways you do things or the systems and processes you do things. I think looking at your practice is also an important factor after the election, after you vote. So I hope that we have provided you, the audience, with useful information. I will third the suggestion that you all should go out to vote, not only that you should all each go out and vote, but you should take somebody with you. This is a really important election. We're facing the next chapter in healthcare. We want to be a part of it, and we want to vote for a candidate that will support our position. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, Beck. Send us your comments or suggestions about this podcast via email, ptj at scienceaudio.net, or voicemail, 626-593-7825. This has been a production of Science Audio, online at www.scienceaudio.net. Thanks for listening.